0: You. It's fine. Um, Richard Kay was preaching last week. He said he preached his, uh, he prepared his sermon six months in advance. Do you remember that? Those of you that were here, I finished mine about six minutes before coming out this morning. So, uh, if you've got a Bible, please turn to Luke um, 12. And. If you don't, um, um, some of it will come up on the screen. Behind me, um, I'm married to the lovely Ellie. Um, We've got three kids, and tomorrow we're off to Scotland. So if I offend you during this preach at some point, please talk to me when I get back, not while I'm on holiday. That'd be really nice. (laughs) Okay. Hmm. need to calm our hearts. Or if you go back to the title slide at the beginning. Fabulous. What does that title slide do in you? bit like Rich's one last week, what does God think about climate change? It's like a boof, right in the face. Oh, and I need to put my timer on because I'm very bad at overrunning, so I'm gonna try and stick to time by having a countdown timer right in front of me, and then the kids' church workers will be happy, so. There we go. Um, Just very quickly, before I begin, Um, I will be, uh, a trigger warning, I will be talking at one point, not massively, but I will be talking about sexual misconduct, Um, so if that's difficult for you, please be aware that that's coming up. It's not massive, but there is a little bit in there. Um, Why have I picked this topic this morning? Did God speak to me about it in a vision or a dream? No. Um, The reason I'm looking at this is partly because of where I see things in my own heart. Okay, just as I talk with the Lord, as I think about my life, as I think about being a Christian for nearly 40 years now, what's going on in my own heart? Where am I now? Um, I'm partly a reflection of seeing what's going on in the wider culture. If you've read around um, the Christian scene, there have been some high-profile failures of Christian leadership. And the thing about hypocrisy is that nobody wakes up one morning and decides they're going to be a hypocrite. These things kind of happen slowly over time. We make little choices here, little choices there, and suddenly we realize we're down a certain road, and we're actually a lot further away from where we thought we were. And one of the things I want to help us to think about this morning, and like I say, this is my journey first, not anybody else's, is how do we avoid getting to that place? How do we avoid getting to that place? And so let's pray, Spirit of God, I'm very aware that I could wind people up and then leave them hanging. And I don't want to do that. Well, Jesus, I want today for us to look honestly at this topic. And Jesus, would you hold our hands? Because sometimes looking at ourselves is not comfortable. Sometimes looking at ourselves is hard. And so would you hold our hands and help us to see what you see, not what we think you see. And lead us to an even greater appreciation, an even greater love of you, and an even greater fruitfulness and joy in being your children and being on your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So, um, some words from Jesus, Luke chapter 12, 1 to 3. If we have a look, if you've got the Bible open, let's read it together. It says Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, "Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms, Will be proclaimed from the rooftops. Now there are four things I'd like us to notice from this passage. Number one, oh go back. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Number one, everything will be made known. Everything. Everything about you, everything about me will one day be made known. Okay, and the reason for that is. Jesus will be vindicated in his justice and his mercy. No one will be able to say to Jesus, oh, but you didn't know about this, or you didn't know about that, or you didn't see this, or you didn't see that. Everything will be made known. And it will be covered by grace for those who have received Jesus, but it will still be made known. Secondly, Jesus... Um, Talks about the problem of the Pharisees being hypocrisy now that's funny. Why because most of us think the problem of the Pharisees was their legalism They followed the law too closely. Jesus doesn't say their problem is following rules Jesus says their greatest problem is hypocrisy Do what I say not what I do And thirdly he's addressing his disciples He's addressing his inner circle. He's addressing the people who are close to him. He's not addressing the masses. He's addressing his own. He says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And fourthly, I should have put it on the slide. This I find fascinating. But because Tom was out of the office enjoying some well-earned holiday, I couldn't update the slide after Wednesday. But it says at the very beginning of verse 1, part of it's missed off, it says, In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered, to, gathered together, that they were trampling on one another. Okay? Jesus and his disciples had become incredibly popular. The whole mission, the whole thing, the roadshow was hugely Successful. And it's at that point when they're starting to be successful, people coming up to disciples, they say, hey, you're with Jesus. We want to know what you think. Oh, you're with Jesus. You seem like the right kind of person to be acquainted with. Oh, you've got the connection to the master. You you must be special. Let's get close to you. And it's at that moment the disciples start thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, we're close to Jesus. We're, we're, We're part of something big. We're part of something special. We're changing the world. It's at that moment, Jesus says, beware the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. See, hypocrisy isn't a problem when you're a failure. Hypocrisy is a problem when you become a success. Okay, and if we are successful Christians, if we are a successful church, whatever the definition is, then that's the moment when we have to in very humble and not pharisaical ways, I think, okay, God, I need to keep my heart close to you. I need to keep my heart close to you. See, the problem is when you call Christian Pharisees, what do they say? I'm not a Pharisee. Now you can have the next slide, Dylan. I'm not a Pharisee. You know, calling a Christian Pharisee is like calling someone Hitler. Like, it's, the, it's almost the worst insult you could give them, Right? I'm not a Pharisee, and it's kind of true. I don't wear the uniform. I mean, who would wear that in the high street, would you? I wouldn't be seen dead in it, right? I wouldn't wear the uniform. I believe in Jesus. The Pharisees didn't believe in Jesus. Okay? I know I'm under grace. I'm not under law. I'm not one of those people. Okay? And I'm not a judgy person. Yeah? I'm not a judgy person. Everyone says that, don't we? No one's judgy these days. I'm not a judgmental person. So how can I be a Pharisee? And yet, if you've ever done any serious in-depth study of history, you'll know that issues are never quite that straightforward and black and white. We love a simple narratives, but it's often our simple narratives that kill us. Except for the narrative that Jesus is the answer. That's the one that doesn't. Okay. But generally, simple narratives can be as damaging as they are life-giving. Can we have the next slide? please? And I say that because literally from my own life within the last couple of weeks, this text appeared from on my phone, okay? This text appeared on my phone, saying, if someone's calling you asking for a passcode, don't give it to them. Guess what? I gave it to them. Even though that was bang in my face. Okay? Mercifully, because Ellie's squawking in my ear saying, don't give it to them, put the phone down, I didn't give them any more information than it was okay. But if she hadn't been there... I don't know what trouble I'd be in now financially. And the point is, I'm not as sharp as I like to think I am. Secondly, good intentions gone wrong. I've been suffering with back pain for the last year, not because I've done anything wrong, but because I've been trying to keep fit. And in trying to keep fit, I've injured myself, right? I'm trying to keep my body in good shape, and I've broken it, right? What an idiot. So, you know, it's a good intention gone wrong. Now, we can all laugh about these and say, phew, like I didn't get caught by the scammers ringing me up pretending to be O2. Okay, but what about our Christian lives? How long have you been a Christian? Do you think you're undupable? Do you think nothing will pass you by? Do you think, do you think all of your good intentions are producing exactly the results that you think they are? Okay let's move on. You see, the Pharisees were the people's choice. The Pharisees were the the teachers that were among the people. They were teaching people in the synagogues and in their homes and helping them learn to please God. They were inclusive in their vision. Yes, if you were a man, it included circumcision, which is painful. But nevertheless, if you became like a Jew, you were in Okay, they were inclusive in their vision, and they were trying to bring the temple of God into the homes of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and beyond. Okay, they were trying to encourage people to take that life of the temple in Jerusalem and replicate it, copy it in their homes, so that every home in the land could be a slice of temple life. Now, change the word in that statement from temple to kingdom. Does it remind you of anything? And they believed they were right and they had God's approval. They believed they were the right people. You've come to this church from wherever you come from because you believe we do things right. Of course we're not perfect. Of course we get it wrong. But by and large you're here because you think we get it right. Yeah? And here's the thing. Here's a little thought experiment. It's not going to happen. But imagine Jesus rocked up in Reading one Sunday. Imagine he went to a different church. How would you feel? Oh, Jesus, I, 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 thought, I thought we were a good church. I thought we, 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 we did it right. And, 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 you know, God bless that church over there. We're really pleased that Jesus turned up there. But, but, but what about us, Jesus? I would. I would. I'd be like, oh, what, what, what's wrong with us? Because we think we're right. We have the next slide. And here's some more words from Jesus. Matthew chapter 7. This is particularly for charismatics like us. Okay? Not everyone who says to me, who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed miracles in your name. I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, the interesting context of that particular passage, if you've got it open, you'll notice, is just before it, a tree and its fruit. Jesus will say, beware false prophets, those who come in false clothing. Okay? Now, he's saying, judge a person by the fruits of their life. And of course, we would say like, well, well, what's more incredible fruit than somebody who heals people and someone who drives out demons and someone who prophesies? That's phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, if somebody came in doing that here, what would we say? We'd say they're under the anointing. <laughs> Man of the hour, full of God's power, right? That's what, pro- or woman, what, that's what we would say. But Jesus said, uh ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh. ah, yeah. Now, we're not, I'm not trying to poo-poo any of that. But Jesus says somehow, for some bizarre reason, he allows his power to be used by those whom he does not know. Let that sit for a minute. So when it comes to demonstrations of the Spirit's power, when it comes to the things that we think are super evidence of God with us, I just think, well, hang on a minute. What does Jesus, what does the master say about that? I'm not trying to cast, to cast dispersions on any ministry. God bless all those who do that kind of thing. But it's just a little break. Because the problem is, the brilliance of a lie is in convincing us that we're doing the thing that makes us win when in actual fact we're doing the thing that kills us. That's why lies are lies. They bring us death, not life. But we think all the while they're bringing us life. We have the next slide. Now, the question is, of course, where do you draw the line? At the moment, I've been talking about people who are in massive, high-profile Christian ministry places. The gentleman on the slide here died in 2020, Rabbi Zacharias. Some of you will know him well. He was a massive Christian evangelist, apologist, toured the world, had the ear of American presidents at certain points. Um, His charity uh, grossed $39 million in donations in the last year that it was running. But for the last 10 years or so of his life, he was involved in private sexual misconduct on multiple levels. And when he died, it all came out and the whole thing collapsed. Now, I'm guessing none of us are there. I'm guessing none of us are actively living a double life. But if you are, please humble yourself and repent. And we will do the best we can to walk with you as you face the consequences of that. Okay, But please humble yourself and repent. But for most of us, we're not there. We're not those kinds of people. Okay, We're genuinely trying to follow Jesus, right? Genuinely trying to follow Jesus. But when we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, what does that mean? Okay, hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have higher standards or more noble beliefs than is actually the case. Well, already trying to be a follower of Jesus, who follows Jesus perfectly? I don't. Do you? No, none of us do. And there's grace for that, and that's the wonderful news of the gospel, that we receive grace for what we can't be, what we don't know how to be, sometimes what we won't be, right? But the question is, when does our use of grace become an excuse that takes away our credibility? That's the question, isn't it? So I'm under grace, I'm under grace, I'm okay, I'm okay. And the world is saying, you're an idiot. I'm not saying that's about anyone particularly here, but I'm just, you know, at some point, you, where's the line, right? Where's the line? And so I, sometimes I think, well, and, and this is the thing, right? Right? You know, I'm not an active hypocrite, but I might allow you to think better of me than I actually am. Yeah? I'm an elder of a church, right? You think I pray lots, do you? Because I'm an elder of a church. If I told you at times my prayer life is pretty abysmal, what would you say? Say, well, elders are supposed to be exemplary in teaching and in prayer. So why are you an elder? Right? On the other hand, you might say, wow, you've been really honest with us suddenly. That, therefore, you're really well qualified to be an elder because you're honest and you've got integrity. Which of those is it? Which of those is it? I don't want any surprises on the Day of Judgment about my life. There will be surprises. You will be surprised. Okay, but I want as few as possible, and I don't want pretense. Okay, let's not have pretense. And I know we're not trying to have that, but you know we can often... By what we don't say or by what we allow to go unsaid sometimes, we allow people to have better ideas about us than they probably should. Yeah, And all of us do that in different ways. Okay, if we have the next slide. Now, I'm looking at time. (laughs) 13 minutes, my goodness me. Okay, I'm not going to go through all of these. I'll just pick one or two. But if you want to ask me about them afterwards, feel free. Because, you see, our culture nudges us towards Phariseism. yeah? Social media, they create tools that nudge us towards certain behaviours. And our culture naturally nudges us towards um, Phariseeism, okay? We, we have the need. Many of us have been Christians for many years. What do we sense as our... How do we talk about ourselves? What's my narrative about myself? What's my story about myself? I have a reputation to maintain, and how does that fit? Okay. Sometimes organizations, charities, political parties, churches become too big to fail. They can't stop doing what they're doing because too many people will lose their jobs or there'll be too many people have invested too much over time for us to say, hang on a minute, whoa, we need to step back and think about this. And often honesty is too costly. Have you ever been in a situation where being honest actually could get you into big trouble? Because yeah? people often weaponize your honesty against you. And it's too hard. It's better to be quiet and just say nothing than to be honest sometimes. That in the context of cancel culture. And Christians do cancel culture as well. You do know that, don't you? If People lose book deals and speaking engagements overnight if they step out of line of a certain context of beliefs. It's not just a woke problem. Yeah? And we can overstate the importance of our brand distinctives. You know, every church in Reading worships Jesus, right? Every church in Reading believes the gospel. So what's different about our church? Oh, well, we do this. That church does that. We can end up slightly overemphasizing things that make us different rather than things that make us the same, brothers and sisters in Christ, from whatever part of the town or whatever church we come from. And finally, performance management. It's all on me. The ethos is it's all on me. I've got to do this. Oh, I stopped it by accident. Oh, gosh. Keep going. 11-11. Okay, great. Okay, I've got more time than I thought. Yeah, slightly. Um, okay, next slide. And then some... But, but we ourselves have Pharisee tendencies in, in us. What did I lay down when I came to the front here? Trying harder. Because that's what a Pharisee does. They try harder, okay? And I'm, I can't keep trying harder. I can't, okay? But are you like a Pharisee? Well, if you're bold in here but timid out there, then maybe, okay? If you're bold in here but timid out there, that's what the Pharisees were like. They were bold about talking about killing Jesus, and then when they went out into the crowds, they barely talked. Do you remember? If you remember from the Gospels? Do you think the solution is that we make more effort, just need to try harder, yeah, just need to try harder. Are you critical of others whilst remaining self-assured? Are you happy that you came here and, uh, and you shunned the football because you're going to come and worship Jesus? Yeah. Do you seek affirmation from others more than God? Now it's good to seek the affirmation of those who you respect, but do you seek it more than you seek God's affirmation? Are you busier cultivating your externals rather than your internals? Are you more thinking about what you're achieving? Or about who you are becoming? Are you more thinking about your Christian routines or the reality of God in your everyday life? Are you thinking more about your giftings and your unique contributions rather than the attitudes of your heart towards God and others? What's going on in us? Because the reality is we can do all these routines and yet inside feel fairly lukewarm and empty. Is that true? I, I hear a some humming there. I don't know if I'm allowed to admit this. We do all the routines. I come to church on a Sunday. I go to life group. I, I, give, I give generously. In the, in the, I, I'm part of an RFC3 and I contribute regularly. Do all these routines and yet somehow I just feel lukewarm and a little bit empty because I'm going through the motions. My heart's not in it. Okay? And, I, and when I'm speaking this, I'm not, if you're a new Christian, God bless you. I'm mainly speaking to those who've been Christians a long time. Because we know what it is to comply. Next one. So what? Thank you for moving me on. <laughs> Let's keep going. Keep going. Next slide. Okay, how do we feel? <laughs> how are you feeling? You feel encouraged? Do you feel built up? Do you feel ready to take the world? Yeah, come on. Another exulting, uh, enthusiastic message to send us out into the world for Jesus. Yeah! Okay. Well, so what? But, but that's what happens Sometimes pastors give the crowd what they want to hear yeah it's true isn't it yeah if you're paying my salary do i say what you need to hear or do i say what you want to hear and that's a that's a really hard line now we worship jesus he's the one in charge but we just got to be sensitive to dynamics right next slide please dylan so the antidote what's the and these are horrible pictures i know but i'm just trying to sort of give you a, a hook in what is the answer? What's the antidote to Phariseeism? What's the antidote to hypocrisy? Okay? And what do I need to learn to do? Because all these things I've mentioned on the slides before, I've done myself. Okay? I, do, I judge others. I'm critical of others. I think I'm the bee's knees. Um, and I'm just trying harder, trying harder, trying harder. So what, what's the solution? Well, the solution is this. God has given us to us, him to us. God has given himself to us in the person of Jesus. And in giving us himself, he's given us his heart. And in giving us his heart, he wants us to give our hearts in return. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Why? Because he first loved us. Because he sent his son into the world to die for us. God so loved the world. He loves the world. And it is. The spiritual transformation that needs to take place in our hearts is one where we say, God, you are beautiful in yourself. You are beautiful. Whether you came to save me or not, you are beautiful. The psalmist says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Behold God in the eternal heights, immortal, invisible, God only wise, without equal. He alone is worthy of worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is holy, he is pure, he is excellent, he is faithful, he is true. He is all that we could ever dream of. Behold him, see him with your mind's eye by the power of the Spirit. Behold this God, for this God is beautiful. Don't be distracted by other things. Behold this God. And yet even though this God is beautiful, yet on top of that, he's loving, he's kind, he's faithful, and he demonstrates that. Through dying on the cross for us, even though whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. He loves us. Let's not give him our routines. Let's give him our hearts. Yeah. So good. We move on to the next slide. And so when we think about our relationship with God, when we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus... Please, 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 let's focus on the internal transformation, not the external compliance. You see, Jesus didn't say, I'm the heavenly petrol station. Yeah, what do you do at a petrol station? You turn up once a week, you fill up your tank, you pay your money, you drive off again, right? Then you come back next week when your tank is empty. Jesus didn't say, I'm the heavenly petrol station. He said, I am the vine. And often we... Our experience of Christian meetings is, oh, come expectant to meet with God. And that's good, I'm not knocking it. But what does that sound like over time? Sounds like God's a heavenly petrol station. Come to the meeting and you'll get filled. Yeah? Jesus doesn't say, I'm the heavenly petrol station. He says, I'm the vine. How does the vine feed the branch? The vine feeds the branch by being constantly connected. We never leave the presence of God. God is always with us. Wherever we go. So what we need to say is, Jesus, you're here. Dallas Willard expression. Jesus, you're here. And now I'm here with you. Help me to see you as you are in the midst of this. And yes, we come to Sunday to be filled, to be expectant, yes. But it's not because we've been essentially in the wilderness lost for six days. It's because we want to see what the gathered community of God is going to bring. That's why we come. That's why we gather. And we can share the joy of being God's family. Next slide. Let's try and embrace, let's try and embrace gospel honesty, gospel hope, and gospel grace. If somebody comes to you and is honest with you, please don't weaponize it and throw it back at them. This is particularly for husbands and wives, but others too. Okay? Let's. If somebody, is honest, if somebody is courageous enough to be honest with us, and if your view of them is broken by what they tell you, please be gracious in that moment and help them through to a better place. Okay? And if you're in that place, please be vulnerable. Okay? Now, it may have cost implications. It may cost you and those you love, and those who've invested in you dearly. But I don't want pretense in my life. And and I'm sure you don't want pretense either. I know you don't. No one wants pretense. And so let's be honest, as honest as we can. That doesn't mean you have to be honest all the time to everybody. Pick your moments, right? Because I'm an elder and I'm a public figure, there is a degree to which I need to be honest to all of you in a way that you don't need to be. That doesn't mean that I have a different moral standard to you. It's just because of my level of influence, that's all. We all have the same moral standards. Leaders are expected to be better examples, but we all have the same moral standards to live up to. Yes, and we're all receivers of the same grace when we fail. Okay? Finally. In One of the problems with Phariseeism and the hypocrisy that runs with it is that we overemphasize certain things see Jesus says in John 14 that home is here where we are but home is also out there where Jesus is now in heaven right he says in John 14 23 anyone who loves me will obey my teaching my father will love them we will come to them and make our home with them father and son by the spirit making our home in the hearts of those who love Jesus But Jesus also says in the very same chapter, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Where is home? Home is here and with Jesus. Some of us in the room focus a lot on the age to come. And what's out there. And we live outside of our bodies in this kind of expectation that we need to be out there, out there, out there, out there. Let's do this. Let's go. We don't appreciate living inside the bodies God's given us, in the life that God's given us. If you're like that, try and spend more time thinking about living here and now and embracing what God's given to you right in front of you. Okay? However, if you're the kind of person who tends to want God to come into your space and help you with your things and your stuff and just living down here in this world. And you never think about what's up there, the age to come. You never feel called out of yourself into something beyond you, something bigger, something eternal. But maybe you need to think more about that. Home is both here and out there. Right, time is up. So, Jesus warned his followers to beware of hypocrisy. Because when you're successful as a Christian, that's the biggest danger that's posed to you. The antidote to hypocrisy is to remind ourselves of the beauty of Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and to give him our hearts not our external routines, giftings, compliances, etc., etc. Let's remember He's the vine, we are the branches. We stay constantly connected to Him all the time, whether we realize it or not. And He can bear fruit in us as we allow His words to remain in us as we go about our days. Okay, let's embrace gospel honesty. Let's embrace gospel hope. Let's embrace gospel grace, not selfish grace that gets me off the hook, but gospel grace that shows me Jesus and tells me there's a better way. And let's remember that home is here now. Let's embrace life as God's put it in front of us, in our bodies, in the world, whilst at the same time remembering he's called us up and out of ourselves into an age that is to come, when he will renew the earth and the heavens and we will live with him forever. The band's going to come up and play a song. There's going to be some reflection time. Let's just talk to the Lord See what he says in you in this moment. What's he laying on your heart? There's no condemnation here. Like I said at the beginning of the service, I laid down the burden of trying harder. It's not about trying harder. But we need to be thoughtful about how we engage with God. Let's not be self-deceived. Let's have an awareness that God is with us and he will lead us to a better place.